You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Uh, my name is Neil Alligood. I'm from Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I work at a, a Christian university called Mid-Atlantic Christian University. It's where Chris uh, attended as well. Our friendship goes back uh, lots of years. We're actually connected family way down the line. And um, I am a part of the management team here uh, at Venture. And uh, it's a real blessing to always get an opportunity to be here and visit. This is a, the first opportunity I've had to speak on a Sunday morning. I've shared at a, a volunteer banquet that you guys did. And um, I just want you to know that uh, the management team, uh, guys, that, there's one in Newburn, one in Chapel Hill, one outside of Winston-Salem, then me in, in Elizabeth City. And we're constantly praying for you guys and for what's going on here uh, in the city of Wilmington. Um, and we realize there's other churches. I mean, it's, it's just a partnership, God's church coming together to do some really cool things here. And so, uh, I want to encourage you guys. I, I want to know that you to know that you're being prayed for, um, that you're being talked about in, in such positive ways. And, and so it's a, uh, I, I'm excited to be able to be here and share with you guys this morning and continue in this series that they've had going on called Conversations with Jesus. I opened with this video um, because I wanted to share with you this, this idea uh, in, in the story that we're going to look at. Um, this kind of marketing campaign, I don't know if you are familiar with it, you remember it, um, Chase Bank, the Chase credit cards, I have a, a Chase credit card, so it's something that's kind of always stuck out to me, but they had this thing, it was called Chase What Matters, and so they did little uh, videos like this, and they would have like this one was Protection Matters, the guy was going to protect his family, but in his head it was playing out a whole lot differently than just being like at a dinner party and his, you know making a phone call, then there's one that's talking about Freedom Matters, and it was talking about that anything that matters to you matters matters to Chase Bank. And really, that's not true. Whatever matters to you, as long as it's your money. Like, that's what, they, that's, what, that's what matters to Chase Bank. And so, but it was like, whatever matters to you matters to Chase. And we want you to be able to use our card to chase whatever matters, no matter if you have to pay on it for years and years to come, you know. So, it, but it was just the idea, and I love this idea of Chase what matters. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to be uh, looking at a story uh, found in John chapter 6. So this morning, I want you to go ahead and be prepared. Um, if you brought your phone, you got a tablet, you've got old school that actually has pages, like whatever it may be, we're going to be looking in John uh, chapter 6. And uh, we're going to kind of hang out there and kind of look at this kind of cool story. And I'm going to share with you. But it's also going to be up on the screen, uh, the, the highlighted verses. So you'll be able to read the things that I'm talking about there. But it was funny because uh, this idea of chase what matters. Uh, the campaign took place from 2008 to 2013, and they spent 70 million dollars to get you to believe that Chase cares about what matters in your life. But really, they spent that $70 million, so you would chase the things that matters in your life that you would spend money on, and, and, and it would get it would recoup some of that money. But the cool thing is, here I am, like 2015, I'm still talking about that, even though they've changed their marketing campaign. But I, I just really like that video, and it sticks out. We're going to talk about it a little bit later why we, we brought up that and, and started with that. So we're going to be looking at Chase What Matters, and we're going to be in John chapter 6. 
And so basically there's these four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they wrote the first four books of this New Testament. Uh, this is kind of the section of the Bible, the second half, where it tells a lot about the life of Jesus. And so this guy, John, was one of uh, Jesus' disciples, one of his closest followers. And he wrote a lot of very intimate details, told a lot of stories. And so he's telling this story that happened from Jesus' life. Now, you may have heard this story before because it's called the feeding of the 5,000. It's kind of like David and Goliath and um, the feeding of the 5,000. There's a lot of stories out of the Bible that even if you haven't grown up going to church, you maybe have heard reference to. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of what happened because everybody focuses on the actual story of the feeding of the 5,000. But I want to look at what took place afterwards, the conversation that Jesus had with the people afterwards. So basically, Jesus is up on this mountainside. He's been healing. He's been doing all these crazy things. And people are starting to attract. They, they've started to see who this guy is. And they're like, we want to go see. And so 5,000 men. Now, we know it's 5,000 men. But that means there was probably women and there was children. So we don't really know how many thousands of people there were. But they all showed up on the scene. And Jesus is on this mountainside. And he is teaching them. And he's telling them uh, kind of teachings. And it's not teachings from the Bible because the Bible wasn't written then. It was like we took the Bible from the teachings of Jesus. And so what we look at now in John 6, Jesus was just there teaching. And so what happened was Jesus realized, uh oh, all these people showed up and we're going to be here a while. And so nobody packed a meal. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to preach for five or six hours. And if you didn't bring a meal with you, that's OK. We're going to pray. No, I'm just kidding. Like uh, what Jesus did was he knew that they needed to provide food for the people. And so he's like, what are we going to do? And one of the guys is like, um, it would take like eight months wages and we don't have that kind of money, you know, and you, you made us stop fishing. So we don't even have fish. Like, so they really didn't have an answer. And one of the guys is like, hey, this little boy has five loaves and two fish. Now, there's probably at least 10, 12, 15,000 people there. It's like five loaves and two fish. And I love it in part of the, uh, the verses. It, like Jesus says, it knew what Jesus knew what he was going to do. He was doing this to test them. Jesus wanted to just see if they believed in him. They've been following him. They've been seeing him do things. But Jesus knew what he was about to do. So he took this five loaves and these two fish. And he said, set the people down, group them together. It was very organized, very strong. And Jesus prayed over and he started breaking the bed, breaking the fish. And he fed the over 5,000 people. Not only that, just to kind of maybe show off a little bit, Jesus was like, yeah, check it out. Now there's leftovers. And so there's like, he said, go around and collect. And there was like 12 basketfuls of food left over, you know? And so they collected all this and the people were amazed. And then I want us, we're going to pick up in verse 14 because that's, that's the story that everybody knows. The feeding the 5,000, the five loaves, the two fish. That's the story that everybody's heard. But then we're going to continue. John chapter 6, verse 14, it says this. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us. But if you were in the Jewish culture, that which they were, and that's what Jesus was, down throughout the years, hundreds and thousands of years, there have been these prophecies. These prophets have been writing and saying there's one coming. There's coming a Savior, a Messiah, the person who's going to rescue us. Because they were under this, like, this Roman rule and they were being oppressed. And that's all they wanted was freedom from the Roman rule. And so the people started getting excited. Like, this is the guy. This is the Messiah, the Savior. This is the one that's coming to rescue us. And they were ready to make him their king. They wanted him to become their earthly king. And then in verse 15, it says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. 
Jesus knew that they were chasing this earthly king. They were chasing this dream, this this idea that they had that was going to make everything right. But he knew that that wasn't what he was called to do. And it said he withdrew. And I love it says again, this isn't something new. This is something Jesus did all the time. He withdrew by himself to get right with the father to pray. You know, and sometimes I wonder if maybe Jesus went there because It would be easy, the earthly side of him, to get swept up into this and go, maybe maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. But he pulled aside and prayed to his father and got in communion with the father and was reminded of what his mission was, of what he was called to do. So he goes off to this mountain alone to pray. The people kind of disperse because they've got their bellies full. They've seen some entertaining things. And they kind of go and do their thing because night comes. And then the disciples, these are fishermen. These guys are used to being out on the water. And so they see a boat and there's this lake there. And on the other side of the lake, there's this place called Capernaum. And so they get on the boat and they take the boat because they're like, Jesus is not around. He's doing his thing again. He's gone off by himself. So we're just going to go. Like, I don't really understand that. Like, they're following and then it's like, okay, Jesus is in here. So let's just go across the lake. But they did. And so they go across the lake. They're out on the lake. And they're headed to the other side. And in the middle of the night, Jesus is like, oh, where'd they go? Uh, They took my boat. And so Jesus is like, how do I get out there? So Jesus is like, I'm going to walk on water. Because, you know, that's what we do. Like, oh, where'd they go? I'm going to walk on water and catch up. And so sometimes I wonder if Jesus does stuff like this. This is going to freak them out. This is going to be great. And so like, I wonder if Jesus did this sometimes too. I wonder if he like made a a spooky voice or something. Like, I don't know. I think Jesus is a funny guy. And so he's walking across the water. Or like, did he just walk by? Hey, what's going on? And they're like, what was that? And so Jesus is walking on the water. You see, it's crazy to me because sometimes I think the Bible like becomes old and stale. That's people like oh the bible is boring yeah there are some boring parts but then there's some crazy stuff like jesus is walking on the water like we see now like the other night america's got talent whatever they had this dude on this jetpack thing and it was blowing up and he was like looked like he was walking on the water and flying above the water and everybody's like oh that's crazy jesus had no jetpack except the holy spirit and like the holy spirit's a jetpack he's like i'm on the water and so he's walking out in the middle of the night there's some of you that can't be in your house, like, and it's dark, and you're like this, you're scared. You hear a cricket, ah, ah, you know, a robber. And, a, and so, like, Jesus is walking in the middle of the night, and these guys are on this boat. These are professional fishermen. They shouldn't get scared. They're freaked out because Jesus is like, hey, it's Jesus. And so they're like, oh, Jesus, get in the boat with us. Or just keep walking on the water. I don't know. And so Jesus got in the water. I'd have been like, Jesus, push the boat across. I don't want to row anymore. And so, like, so they get to the other side, and Jesus is there with them, and they're just kind of hanging out. So the next morning, all that other was just bonus because I, like, I get excited when I start reading stuff like this. And so um, then the people wake up. They've had their bellies full. Now they're hungry again. They were entertained. And they're like, where'd Jesus go? And so they were like, we, we got to go find Jesus. So they realize there's a boat missing. And they're like, I bet they're on the other side. So they all load up. I was like, do these people just not have jobs? Like, everybody, get on the boat. We're going to go find Jesus. And so they got on the boat. And, um, and so they went across the water. And then they show up and there's Jesus. And I love this. Um, Now we're going to skip down in in chapter 6 to verse 22. It says, The next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake, they realized that only one boat had been there, and Jesus had not entered it with his disciples. But they had gone away alone. Now that's interesting to me. I don't really know why that's in there, but it's like, so they knew the disciples left on a boat, and that Jesus had gone off by himself. So why did they naturally think that Jesus was over there? I don't really know, but like maybe they just, they know, I bet Jesus walked on the water. And so um, he likes doing stuff like that. And so then they decided, we're going to get on some boats. And it said, the boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten after the bread of the Lord had been given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. They were chasing Jesus. 
Then verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And I don't know if it was like a, like a legitimate question, like, huh, you weren't here. Or if it was like they try to act surprised, you know, like you following somebody and you run into them. Like, oh, when did you get here? I, I've been here the whole time. You've been following me, creepy. And so like they were following Jesus and like, oh, hey, Jesus, when did you get here? We didn't know you were going to be here. And so Jesus was like, yeah, what? Like Jesus already knows what you're thinking. So he knows what you're doing. And so these people had chased Jesus. And then listen to in verse 26, what Jesus says, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. You are chasing me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You see, they were chasing Jesus, but not for the right reasons. They were chasing Jesus because they wanted him to be the earthly king. They were chasing Jesus because he had filled their bellies. They were chasing Jesus because he had done things to entertain them. They were chasing Jesus, and that's at least a good start, but they didn't understand his mission. They didn't understand what really mattered. They were chasing Jesus because of the things that mattered to them, but they had failed to realize the things that mattered to Jesus. I love that because it's okay if you start chasing Jesus based on the things that matter to you. Because eventually Jesus is going to help transform you to start caring about the things that matter to him. So they're chasing Jesus and Jesus is like, I got I to gotta start, the, I got to flip the switch. I got to get them to understand. I got to transform them. And so he said, you're just chasing the earthly king. You're just chasing because I can do cool things. You're just chasing because I fed you. Verse 27 says, do not work for food that spoils. You've eaten this food and it filled you up, but do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. For on him, God, the father has placed his seal of approval. He said, chase me because I am what matters. Chase things that matter. And I love it in verse 28. The people are now kind of starting to get it. They realize that maybe they did chase him, but they didn't chase him for the right things. And they said this. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? What are the things that matter? What is it that God wants? Like, okay, we're chasing you, but what does he want us to chase by being near you? What are the things that matter? And Jesus answered, the work of God is to do this. Believe in the one he has sent. Chase Jesus. Chase Jesus with everything you have. I, I don't know what you think about when you hear that idea of chase. Somebody tell me, when you think, when I talk about chasing something, am I got something that they, like, what's something that you chase? This is the interactive part. You're like, oh, no, I didn't know he was going to ask those questions. We're just sitting here in the dark. And we like we want to be like like Aaron talked about. We want to be on social media and whatever, sit in the dark. Like, don't talk to us. Like, somebody tell me something you chase. Ice cream. cream. Yeah, boy, man. And how creepy are those? Like the creepiest music ever. And kids are like, we love it. You know, like, oh, man, they're going to haul our children off. Like, you ever think about that? Like, ice cream trucks are sketchy, you know. And so I don't know if the guy's in there like cranking a ding, 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 ding. You know, you expect something to pop out of the top. But like you chase an ice cream truck because you want that little rocket pop or whatever, the orange sherbet thing. Everybody knows, you know, the little rainbow thing. Everybody loves an ice cream truck. Something else you chase. Money. Yeah. Sports teams. Amen, brother. I love, I'm an athletic director, uh, and I was coaching basketball last year, but I don't coach anymore, uh, and I get out of control. Uh, but I love Carolina Tar Heels, I love the Washington Redskins, and I know that's horrible. Chris is gonna come to Jesus one day and stop liking the Cowboys. Um, <clears throat> amen, brother. Woo! And so, uh, alright, what are some other things we chase? 
Grand, oh man, grandkids. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I said that like I know I don't have any grandkids, uh, but I watch my parents like, and my parents have grandkids. And so they're like all about them. Um, I, I think of one time, um, cause like, there's no cool way to chase something, right? Like we can try, like, you know, guys like try to chase girls and they try to come up, you know, it's like, yeah. But when you like, when you're going to chase something, you got to go after it. You ever been like late for a flight? Everything cool goes out the window, man. You're like, ah, ah. like women are like pulling heels off because they try to be cool. Women, stop wearing high heels to the airport. You're going to take them off anyway. And so like they're running. They got one and they're, you know, they're just running a circle because I got one off. And so like you're chasing things. I think of when I was in elementary school, I went to this little Christian, uh, like Baptist church elementary school. There was seven of us. And so, um, and, um, and they were real strict and like you couldn't get demerits, uh, even though you were four. Like, I don't know what a demerit is, but I don't want it. And so and but uh, the school was here and it was on a loop road and uh, it was in our little town. And so the parents would come in, they would drop you off. And um, one day I had to turn something in and I had forgotten and I left it in the car. And um, it, it was a something signed by my parents, but it was going to give me that last thing and I was going to get like suspension or something. And so like I had that moment of terror because as the car pulled off, I was like, no. And so I can't, you know. And I, so I watched which way they went because there was one short way and one long way. And so I realized that they went out the long way. And I, and I, seriously, like, you can't do this anymore. Like, elementary school, they got you on like an ankle bracelet. And so, um, but I'll say this. And I took off and it's, da, 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 da. and so I was thinking, can I beat my mom, my mom's car driving? And I had to run and I was in a dead sprint and I ran down the street totally like, how out of control is this? I'm running on a public highway, sprinting down the street, trying to catch my mom. She's driving on the other side and I see her at the stop sign and I'm like screaming and waving. And I, I finally stopped her and I was able to get that cause. I, like, I got to have her. I'm going to demerit. I don't know what it is. I'm going to have a suspension. And so, but I like, I had to have that. Like I was chasing that was nothing else mattered in the world at that moment, but getting that piece of paper and taking it back to my teacher. And that's what I think about when I think of chase, I think about greyhound dog races and that little rabbit and it's going and then dogs are just running they don't know but they're chasing this rabbit it's not really a rabbit like they're just chasing something and in our life we chase a lot of things and God wants us to chase what matters and here he's saying the people are like okay tell us what it is that we need to do and Jesus breaks it all simply he says chase the bread of life chase me chase Jesus but chase him for the right reasons Verse 30, they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. That seems weird to us. Like, what is that talking about? Okay, the Jewish people knew their culture. They knew their history. They knew their background. Just like I told you, they knew what the prophets had written about this Messiah, the Savior. So they were talking about an episode in their history. Jesus knew it. The people knew it. So they kind of understood the reference. What they were talking about was when Moses rescued the people from Egypt. He took them out. And then they got this punishment where they had to wander around in the wilderness for, wilderness for 40 years. And God took care of them because they were his people. They were his children. And even though they made mistakes, even though they did stupid stuff, even though they disobeyed and he had to punish them, he still took care of them. Like that's something I think our culture and our world has forgotten. You can be punished and still be taken care of. Because when you get punished, sometimes you learn what you shouldn't have done. And so God punished his people and they had to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. But then he sent them food and he sent them this stuff called manna. And it was like bread from heaven. And every morning they would wake up and it would be like this bread in like little flakes on the ground. And they would go out and they would gather up what they needed for the day. 
provide us our daily bread that the Bible talks about. There was a heavy reference to that. This idea that each day God is going to provide what we need. And they said, hey, remember that time where Moses got the bread given? And Jesus like, oh, man, you done already messed it up. He said uh, in verse 32, Jesus said, and very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread. He's starting to make that flip. He says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven. Okay, when the people and the children of Israel, wilderness, the bread was coming, what seemed like out of heaven, it was like dew on the ground, it would turn into these flakes and they would eat it. So by using that imagery, they could see, oh yeah, that's what happened, the bread came down. And he said, I'm telling you about true bread that comes from heaven. Where did Jesus come? Jesus came from heaven. And it says, um, he says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then verse 35, Jesus declared, I am bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It is time to chase me. Chase the bread of life. Chase the bread that came from heaven. Chase the son of the living God. In verse 36, he says, but as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Here they, they're hanging out with Jesus. He walks on water. He heals people. He just fed them yesterday. And they're still talking about the manna from heaven years and years ago. He said, chase me, understand who I am, believe in me. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. I want to share with you a little bit. Um, this year I was coaching men's basketball at this uh, small Christian university. And um, I opened the season talking to our guys about the difference between a dream and a delusion. See, a lot of our guys, um, well, not a lot. Some of the guys walk into our doors. We're a small Christian school, about 200 people. Um, we're not NCAA Division I or Division II. We're comparable with Division Three, a very small school. We have guys that are like five foot ten. I uh, can barely touch the rim, and they think they're going to the NBA. And, I, and I'm here to burst their bubble. The NBA doesn't know that our school exists. Now, I love our school, and I love our team, and, and our program has grown. But that dream you have of playing the NBA, it's a delusion. And there is a fine line between a dream and a delusion in this world. In fact, a dream is said something that you have wanted very much to do to become or to have for a long time. It's something that's kind of this vision, this goal that you're outside, that you're reaching for. But listen to delusion. It says a false idea or belief that is caused by mental illness. <laughs> Yeah, man, what are you thinking? You're 5'8", white, and can't jump. You're not going to the NBA. Like, a persistent false psychotic belief regarding the self or persons or objects outside the self that is maintained despite indisputable evidence to the contrary. I'm not against you having good dreams and, and, and maybe something bigger than yourself. I'm not saying you just walk around and like, I am who I am and I can never rise above. what You know, like, I'm not saying you just squash anything. But if everything is telling you and people that are wise are giving you advice and it's not clearly evident that God is calling you to do this, maybe it's not a dream, maybe it's a delusion. You see, Martin Luther King Jr., he had a dream. And his dream was bigger than himself. It was bigger than it was trying to help others. But there's another guy named David Koresh, and he had a delusion. 
That name, maybe you're like, I don't, some of you younger than me, you're like, I've never heard that name in my life. Like, uh, look it up. It's on Wikipedia, and that's what you believe is true about everything. So, like, go look it up on Wikipedia. This guy named David Koresh, back in the early 90s, he kind of had this uh, cult following. He's down in Waco, Texas. And this guy believed that, like, he was basically the Messiah. Um, in fact, his name was something else, and he changed it to David, like the line of David and Koresh. It's, it's like a, a, a name of something. Like, so basically, he believed that he was in this messianic line of Jesus, kind of was Jesus. And so he believed like he was the only one that could have wives, and, and it was just a pretty sick thing. Just go read a little bit about it. Well, then like the government stepped in and went and attacked, and they barricaded, and it just it turned very ugly. It was a very ugly time in, in our history. And so uh, they kind of went in and there's some confusion as to who fired the first shot. But basically they wiped out all these people and he died in, in a firefight there. And this guy was very charismatic and led a lot of people. But it wasn't to benefit others. It was to benefit himself. And that's a good indicator of the difference between a God-ordained dream and a you-ordained delusion. And my fear is that a lot of us in this world, we are chasing what we call the dream, the American dream, our dream. But it's really a delusion because it's not a God-ordained thing. It doesn't benefit others. It's only for us. And I want us to chase a dream that God has planted in our heart, not a delusion that Satan, has, the, the father of lies, has put there for us. There are some of you in this room that are young. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You want to do some exciting things, and you're battling between what is a dream and what is a delusion. Some of you here are college age. Uh, I work with college age. I have for about the last 50 years and I know that is a pivotal time in your life you're choosing possibly a spouse a career a future you're traveling like your world is just wide open are you choosing a dream or are you choosing a delusion what are you chasing there's some of you in this room you're, you're kind of out of college you're in that that weird stage that, that 20s late 20s early 30s you're trying to figure out where you're going maybe there's some of you in this room that you've been doing what you've been doing for a while and you're just stuck and you're like I don't want to keep doing this anymore and I feel like I've been chasing this this thing that's called the American dream, but I've realized it's a delusion and it's fallen apart. And I'm here to tell you it's time to chase what matters. It's time to chase Jesus. And I don't care why you chase him to start out, but chase him and give him the opportunity to transform your life and allow you to start chasing what matters to him. How are you going to do this? Well, that's what they ask in verse six, chapter 6 and verse 28 of John. That's the great thing. You're not the first person to ask. I'm not the first person to ask. Jesus laid it all out. And the people said, well, what are we going to do? What is it that we do to do these good works of God? And then Jesus says, chase me. Chase what matters. But as we wind down today, I want to look at just a few other scriptures from other places in the Bible that also can give us an idea of what we need to be chasing. I've chosen two from the Old Testament. This is kind of the bigger section of the Bible and the closest to the beginning of the book. And this is kind of some of those, those writers and those authors and those prophets and those prophecies. And there's books of wisdom and, and literature and history and all this stuff there kind of setting the stage for Jesus to show up on the scene. So all this was kind of painting the picture and telling you what's going to happen. And Jesus came up and started fulfilling all those things that happened in the Old Testament. And then I've got two that are from the New Testament. That that's the life of Jesus. Jesus. That's the time of Jesus. And so the first one is found in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 and it says this. My son, 
Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So he said, don't forget my teachings. It's going to give you a good life. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And then here's the two key verses in five and six. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit. We don't like that word. No, back up on that. I'm, I'm with you on that love and hand, but, but don't submit. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. Chase straight paths. Chase the righteousness that comes from Jesus. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding. That's not calling you to dumb, blind faith, but that's saying that I will trust the truths of God even when I might not always see or even when I've got a friend that's got a really kind of good argument. But God's has stood up for thousands of years, so maybe I should trust what He's saying. And in all of my ways, submit to Him. A lot of times we complain about our paths not being straight. Now, don't misunderstand. That doesn't say your paths will be easy. Don't, don't ever misunderstand. God has not promised us an easy life. And the world and the culture around us is not always accepting of the truths of God's word. And that's going to create awkward tension and uneasy life at times. But it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but the understanding of the one who created it all. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Chase straight paths. To chase Jesus, I need to chase straight paths. Psalm chapter 119, the book of Psalms, is, these are these writings by David and other authors. They were, they were poems. Um, they were uh, just this, these writings, these pouring out of a heart, these cry out to God. And Psalm 119 says this in verse 9 through 12. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. There it is again. Trust the Lord with all your heart. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. We're to chase God. You're going to hear a phrase around here at Venture Church, especially those of you who are new. This is kind of the first thing. I want you to hear this phrase. People at Venture Church desire to be God chasers. They are to chase the things of God and His Word. They are to trust in the Lord with all their heart. Lean out on your understanding. Seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. Be a God chaser. In verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When I hide God's Word in my heart, when I memorize Scripture, when I, when I read it, when I talk with other people that are, uh, have godly wisdom and they can pour into me and I can understand and how it applies. You see, intellect is not just enough. Intelligence is not enough. We need wisdom. We need to understand the application, not just the information of God's Word. The application allows me to know how to live it out in this life. And that helps me stay on the straight path. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. And then in that same chapter down in verse 105, it says this. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Chase the lamp. Chase the light for your path. You see, a lot of times we want to see 10, 15 years out. 
My dad uh, loves deer hunting, goes hunting, but also like used to go spotlight and had like a million candlewatt like light. I, I mean, I don't know what you're going like. You're freaking deer out with that thing like seven miles away. You know, like like he's going crazy. It doesn't say you're going to get this million candlewatt spotlight to see you know, two miles in front of you, he says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And if you've ever been on a trail at night, we, I went with some guys from the campus ministry I was working with. And we went up on this mountain to see the sunset because it's so beautiful. I hate stuff like that. And so like, I'm not like a nature guy's like, we got to walk back to the car in the dark. This is stupid. And so like we're walking and so, and it's getting dark and I'm like, what in the world? And one guy's like, look, I got a headlamp. And so like, I'm not a minor, you know? And so like we're going, and so we're like, one of us is like holding it behind this so we can both see and it's showing we don't care about 30 feet in front of us we want to see right what's right there what i'm about to step on i'm about to step over a ledge i'm about to step on a snake what is right in front of me that's all i really need to see to stay safe i didn't see 300 feet in front of me but i got down safe because i could see right where i was stepping god's word is a lamp into my path a light into my feet you see we want to see way down the road but if we stay on the path that he's given us we won't run into trouble down the road chase the lamp and the light for our feet be god chasers let's go to the new testament matthew chapter 22 verses 35 through 40 i love it the religious leaders all these pomp and circumstance these big wigs back then they would always come and try to trick jesus try to trip him up and they would ask him questions says one of them an expert in the law tested him with this question teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law now what you need to know, again, they know their history. If you go all the way back in the Old Testament, there's this book, and it's hard to pronounce because everybody calls it Deuteronomy, and it's actually Deuteronomy. And so, um, but there's this book called Deuteronomy, and uh, there's a chapter, chapter 6. And there's this, there's this decree, this thing that you teach your children. And it's, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's that thing. And people are familiar with that. Even if they haven't been in church, they're like, man, I think I've heard that before. That was like one of the foundational teachings. And they wanted to see, would Jesus actually bring that one up and then take away all these other laws? Because see, the religious leaders of that time had made like 106 laws that they kind of made up and you had to follow and had all these rules and regulations. And, and it had become about religion and rules and regulations, not a relationship with God anymore and so they wanted to see if he knew that and if he would bring that up and so they were kind of referencing this deuteronomy 6 you see that's why that's the beauty of the, the scriptures that's why you got to go back and read and study like there's stuff that happens here but it's making reference to stuff back there and when you put it all together you go man that's cool that's awesome it does actually connect my i'm about to fall over this carpet right here uh pay no attention if i fall off i'll keep talking and so like deuteronomy 6 so they, they know this back here and they want to see if jesus and this is what jesus said i love it he, he references it himself in verse 37 jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and the greatest commandment that's what they asked what's the greatest commandment so he's saying chase god but he didn't leave it there one of the biggest butts of the Bible, right? Uh, this is a big butt, okay? Yeah, you can say that in church. And so anyway, he's like, there, he, he said, yeah, you should chase God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But there's something else. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't just chase God, but chase others. One of the phrases you'll hear is, I said, you need to be God chasers, grace-shaped love agents. God chasing grace-shaped love agents. That's what Venture Church wants to be about. 
And I'm telling you right now, it isn't a checklist of things. It isn't, well, we first we're going to chase God and then, okay, we're going to be grace-shaped and then we're going to be a love agent. No, when you chase God, you can't help but be grace-shaped because God pours grace, just a pile of grace out into your life and He covers over a multitude of sins through the power of what Jesus did on the cross. And then because of that, you can't help but begin to love others. You can't chase a God, be near a God that once chased you and then not decide to chase other people. It just cannot exist for you to love God, to chase God, for Him to pour into your life, for you to have the realization that God chased you. He loved you so much that He sent His Son from heaven down to earth and chased you all over this earth, found you wherever you were in the darkest moment of your life, and He sent His Son to a cross and sent His Son to a tomb, and He raised again on the third day because God chased you. And when you chase God, and when you become grace-shaped, you can't help but chase others. Because that's what matters. And you begun become love agents of change. And you pour that grace and that mercy and that love into their lives. Love God with everything. Be a God chaser. But love others. Be love agents. The last verse I want to share with you is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 through 24, and it says this. Speaking of this, how do we chase others? Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. Plain and simple, but we preach Christ crucified. That's not a very powerful thing. Hey, people, let me tell you about our leader. This great God we got. Yeah, he was nailed to a cross. He won. And that doesn't sound very impressive, right? Oh, yeah, he submitted. And they killed him. Well, I want to follow that. That sounds so countercultural. It's not some rich and famous and powerful person. It's this guy that they nailed to a cross. But then he rose on the third day from the empty tomb. And that gives us power and victory over death. It says, Jews demand a sign. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews. Foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called. Both Jews and Greeks. Christ is the power of God. And the wisdom of God. Chase others by preaching Christ. You say to me, Neil, I, you know what? This whole thing is kind of new to me. I don't, I've never been to Bible college. I, I, I don't even really own a Bible. I haven't studied a whole lot of things. Just tell them what Jesus has done in your life. That's all that really matters. Just talk to people about the transition from God chasing you to you chasing Him. That you're chasing the bread of life and the impact and the power and the difference that that's bringing. The fact that now you want to love others the way God has loved you. The last verse I read in in John chapter 6, verse 38 says this. This is Jesus once again. Conversation with Jesus. Jesus' words. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. You see, even Jesus chased what mattered. And that was the will of his father. If there was ever anyone that walked this earth that deserved to do his own will... It was Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He walked on water. He healed people. He broke bread all over the place to feed 5,000. Jesus should have been able to do whatever it is that he wanted. And you know what he wanted to do more than anything else? Simply the will of his Father. If Jesus wanted that, how much more 
should we because God has rescued us from all the things he didn't have to rescue Jesus. Not only did he not, he didn't have to rescue Jesus from all this, he didn't rescue Jesus from a horrible death. He allowed him to do that to pay the penalty and the price for our lives. When we chase God, we become grace shaped and we become love agents for chasing others. So as I close this morning, I want to leave you with a couple questions. In your life, will you be chasing a dream or a delusion? And I really want you to think about that. Are you chasing the bread of this world? The bread, the money, the physical things, the food, bread. Are you chasing those things in this life? Are you chasing a dream or chasing a delusion? Are you chasing the bread of life? The very words of Jesus? Or will we be found chasing what matters? Back at the beginning, I showed you that video. And man, that guy was living the dream, right? And he was falling from a bridge. He was jumping and they were playing secret agent man. And he was rolling around and he was, and they, and he saw this, this crime being committed. And he goes and he busts through the window. And you know, guys, you know, you've had dreams where like you were the hero, right? You rescue, especially that girl, that girl you were trying to win. And you just, you hoped she got into trouble sometime so you could show up on the scene and bust through something and be like, I got this baby. You know, like you, you were there. You were going to take care of it. And that's what he did. He was, But it was all a delusion. He was really just on the phone and somebody else was handling the business. God's handled the business. Our freedom matters. Our eternal protection matters. God chased what matters through giving his his son Jesus. And now all he's asking us to do is the same. Chase not the delusions of this world but the dream that He has implanted on our hearts. And we do that by being God-chasing, grace-shaped, love agents of change. Chase God. Chase His Son, Jesus, the true bread of life. Chase others with the message of Jesus. That's how we will become true secret agent man. Secret agent woman chasing what matters for Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, we just thank you so much for your love and your mercy. God, we thank you for an opportunity to be here in this room today. God, I don't know why you brought people here for so many different reasons. Some are here because they are sold out Christ followers. They're here to serve and to worship and to honor you. There may be some in this room that are just broken and at the end of their rope and they they just, a friend called out and said, you should come and be here. And God, maybe they're just now in your presence for one of the few or the first times. And God, your Holy Spirit is reaching out to them to say, I am chasing you. I want you to be a part of the family and you want what I can offer. And maybe you just don't know it. God, let this place be a place where they can turn that over to you. God, maybe there's some here that they're just in the rhythm and the routine of doing what they do. Maybe they just do church. God, I pray that right now minds will be changed. Hearts will be broken. Lives will be transformed by the fact that you loved us so much. You could have wiped out this world and started over again because you are the author and the creator of life. But instead, you chased after what was broken. And you sent your son, Jesus. 
And he said, I came to do not my will, but the will of the Father. He says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. I am chasing after lost things. And that's us. So God, maybe there's people here today that need to be found by Jesus. And maybe there's people here today that need to chase after him unlike they've ever done before. God, we pray that your spirit would just pour into our lives. It would give us the boldness to take steps that we need to take. It would give us clarity. We would seek out the right people. God, be with the people of this church as they pour into the community. And they are your light and your love. They are the lamp and the light to the path and to the feet. They are love agents. God, may people of Venture Church be God-chasing grace-shaped, love agents of change. Just like your son Jesus is in his most powerful and precious name that I pray. Amen.